Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of April 23, 2023. Susan Robertson has been a longtime member of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and a listener to Sound Prince almost since its beginning. We want to extend to Susan an expression of our sympathy on the passing of her sister Kathy on Wednesday, April 19. This announcement comes from Dan Spoon, ACB Executive Director, and it was posted on Friday, April 21. Dan says, We are pleased to announce, after an extensive search with nearly 300 applicants, Natalie Couch will be joining the Membership Services team as Membership Services Administrative Assistant. In this role, Natalie will report to Cindy Hollis, Manager of Membership Engagement, supporting membership and community activities. Natalie has worked in customer service for more than 15 years. Her most recent position being with Louisville Gas and Electric as a customer service representative. She has been an ACB member since 2009, is active in her Kentucky affiliate, serving as president of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, was selected as a 2021 J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow, and has been an active community host volunteer for more than two years. Natalie will begin her new job with ACB on Monday, April 24, 2023. We encourage you to congratulate and welcome Natalie to the ACB staff. Her email address is ncouch, at acb.org. The ACB Board of Directors will hold a telephonic meeting on Tuesday, April 25, 2023, on ACB Media 6. It will be broadcast from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Here is the agenda. 1. Call to Order. Deb Cook-Lewis, Interim ACB President. 2. Roll Call and Introduction of Guests. Denise Colley, Secretary. 3. Review and Approval of Agenda. Deb Cook-Lewis. 4. Review and Approval of Minutes. March 9, 2023, D.C. Leadership Meeting. Denise Colley. 5. Report on D.C. Leadership Conference Participant Survey. From Kelly Gask, Manager of Communications. 6. Discussion and Consideration of Recommendations for the 2024 Leadership Conference. Deb Cook-Lewis, Dan Spoon, Interim ACB Executive Director, and the Board. 7. Mission Moment. Deb Cook-Lewis and Dan Spoon. Thanks to the fantastic efforts of Nancy Becker and the Minnesota staff, along with Sharon Lovering and ACB's affiliates, ACB has once again completed the membership certification process. A full analysis will be provided at the convention board meeting. 8. 
report on the board policy project and next steps. Kim Charlson and Connie Sims. 9. President's Report. Deb Cook-Lewis. A. Convention ACB Board of Directors Meeting, scheduled for Friday, June 30, 2023, at 9 a.m. Central Time. B. Fall ACB Board of Directors Meeting, scheduled for Friday, September 29, and Saturday, September 30, 2023. 10. Staff Reports. Dan Spoon, ACB Interim Executive Director, and Nancy Marks Becker, Chief Financial Officer. 11. Board of Publications, BOP Report, and Candidates Process. Penny Reader, BOP Director. 12. ACB Enterprises and Services Board Report. Michael Garrett, ACBES Board Chair, Appointment of ACBES Director to replace Dan Spin. 13. Convention Report. Janet Dickelman, ACB Convention Committee Chair. 14. Committee Reports as Needed. ACB Officers and Other Committee Liaisons. 15. Executive Session. ACB Media will be stopped at this point. 16. Adjourn. ACB's Virginia office is moving. ACB's new office address is 225 Reinekers Lane, Suite 660, Alexandria, Virginia, 22314. Please note the Virginia office staff will be performing the office move from Monday, April 24 to Friday, April 28. During this time, you may have difficulty reaching the Virginia office by phone or email. Please contact the Minnesota office staff at 612-332-3242 if you need immediate attention. The following announcement appeared in several library newsletters on April 11, 2023. This paragraph comes from the saclibrary.org website, saclibrary.org. Overdrive has announced that they will be discontinuing the Overdrive app for iOS, Android, and Windows on May 1, 2023. We encourage you to make the switch to Libby, Overdrive's newer reading app. Libby is made by the same people, with the same goal of connecting you to your library and to your favorite books, audiobooks, and magazines. To continue accessing collections, you will need to switch to Libby beginning May 1. Libby continues to add new features and updates based on reader and librarian feedback. Libby offers many unique features and options that are not available in the OverDrive app. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites everyone to participate in our springtime auction coming up on Saturday, May 13 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the KCB Zoom line. We have an incredible lineup of fantastic items just waiting for your bid. We have music boxes, jewelry, a beautiful handmade vintage quilt, 
purses and backpacks, the absolutely yummiest treats, skincare products, and home decor. What a lineup! And all proceeds from this auction benefit the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind as well as other KCB chapters. If an item is designated by its donor to benefit a specific chapter, half the proceeds from that item go to that chapter, with the other half going to GLCB. It's not too late to donate an item and support your favorite KCB chapter. To find out more about how you can get in on the fun, call us at 502-895-4598. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind, KCB's chapter in Bowling Green, invites you to its social hour each Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time, that's 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern, on its Zoom line. Join the call by dialing 669-900-6833 and entering the code 763-689-4411. The passcode, should you need it, is 25852. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, KCCLV, will hold its next business meeting and low vision support group meeting on Wednesday, May 3 at 8 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. The number is 669-900-6833 and the code is is 862-9889-6972. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will be playing bingo with the Perkins Group on Friday, April 28, from 7 to 9 p.m. We always have a great time when we join with the Perkins Library Bingo Group, and we hope that you will participate in this spring event. There will be lots of games and lots of prizes, so be sure to save that date and get in on the fun. To join by telephone, call 646-558-8656. Then enter 617-972-7240, followed by the pound sign twice. Remember, this call will not be on the KCB Zoom line, so be sure to check the email on the KCB events list if you wish to use OneTap or the Zoom link. It's derby time in Kentucky when everyone becomes a fan, whether we know anything about horse racing or not. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its traditional derby party on May 6, Derby Day, and it will be filled with food, games, friends, and good times from 11 a.m. in the morning until 7.30 p.m. in the evening. The party will be held at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, but if you can't come in person, you can still be part of the fun and get in on the festivities on our Zoom line in the afternoon. Listen to Sound Prince next week and watch our email events list for more details on the time to join the call. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind held its spring quarterly meeting on Friday, April 21. Officers were elected for two-year terms. They are Natalie Couch, President, 
Patty Cox, first vice president, Kendall Perry, second vice president, Debbie Persons, secretary, and Deanna Scoggins, treasurer. Our speaker for the evening was Andrew Owen, who was elected last November for his first term as 9th District Louisville Metro Councilman. Andrew replaces Bill Hollander, who retired from the 9th District position this last fall. Bill was a tremendous friend of the blind, and we look forward to a similar close working relationship with Andrew. We bring you his remarks here and hope that, no matter where you live, you will encourage your chapters and affiliates to develop similar contacts and relationships with your local city officials. Listen to Andrew Owen on page 2. Most of the time, when the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind has a hybrid roundabout that includes dinner and an opportunity to get together at United Crescent Hill Ministries, we have a bargain table at 6 p.m. between the meal at 5 and the program, which is on Zoom and in person, at 7. But for those of you who have never attended a roundabout in person, you may be asking just what is a bargain table? In a nutshell, a bargain table is a small but steady fundraiser for the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. It is an activity that almost any group that meets in person can do. Listen to page 3 to find out more about how it works. We'll give you some do's and don'ts to make your bargain table more successful and less work. Listen to Soundprints each week on ACB Media 1, the mainstream channel. Our broadcast times are Sunday at 8 p.m., Monday at 8 a.m., Tuesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., Wednesday at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m., Thursday at 10 p.m., and Friday at 1 a.m., 10 a.m., and 1 p.m., all Eastern. Listen on your Victor Stream or on the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Listen anytime, 24 hours a day, on the KCB Information Line at 773-572-6318. You can also request a free subscription on CD, playable on any standard CD player, by calling KCB at 502-895-4598. Page 2. Natalie? It's your turn. Debbie Dethridge, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce our guest speaker, please. All right. Uh, we have uh, Councilman Andrew Owen here tonight to introduce himself. Uh, he uh, took office, um, I think, in, uh, after the November election. And, uh, of course, you always, you're not sure how a new councilman uh, is going to be, a new council person is going to be. But... Uh, He's been great. I've been keeping him very busy. Uh, he probably sees a call from me and says, oh no, her again? But uh, he is speedy and he is very personal. And um, his assistant, uh, Jasmine Presley, was not able to come tonight, but she is good as well. And uh, they get on things very quickly. It's like, uh, you know, Bill Hollander. It's just, you know, it's just great, you know, continued work and um, it's just you know great to see so uh, councilman Owen thank you 
thanks very much for having me, and thanks, Debbie, for inviting me. Um, I do want to tell everyone that um, Debbie does keep me on my toes, and, and that's great, and I would encourage all of you guys to do the same. As much as I try and we try to, to view the world from, from your perspective, it's, it's, it's not easy for us to do that. And so a lot of times Debbie will point things out that I might never notice. And so I would encourage anybody that has an issue uh, to reach out to my office. Andrew.Owen at LouisvilleKY.gov is the email address. Um, and my cell phone is 502-650-3283. And really, I, I, if, if, if you don't reach out and tell me, I may not know about it. So please do that. Um, let me tell you a couple of things about myself quickly. Um, I grew up here in Louisville, uh, in the Tyler Park neighborhood primarily. Um, I went through the Jefferson County public school system. Uh, I left and went to the University of Virginia where I studied history and urban planning. Um, I then went from there and lived in Washington, D.C. for about 10 years where I worked in neighborhood and community development, affordable housing development, and um, also got a ma did master's work in real estate finance. Um, when I moved back to Louisville about 20-something years ago, um, I started a commercial real estate investment company with my brother, and he and I have been running that company uh, ever since. So I am a small business owner, uh, which is a unique perspective and, and, a, and a fairly unusual perspective, I think, for someone on, on Metro Council. Um, a couple of fun facts. Uh, one, my closest connection to the blind community, and I, I admit that it's not terribly close, but my wife trained guide dogs for pilot dog in Columbus, Ohio for a long time. Um, she is a little bit of an animal whisperer anyway, uh, and she really, really enjoyed doing that. So if any of you have, have dogs or have been around dogs from pilot dogs, it might have been a dog that Nancy trained. Um, another fun fact about me is that my father is Tom Owen, uh, and he was on uh, the Board of Aldermen and on Metro Council for a long time representing District 8, which is mostly the Highlands, uh, and he ran for mayor in the Democratic primary in 1998. So I grew up in a family where we talked about public policy and neighborhoods and cities and how those things work at the dinner table every evening. Um, so I come by it somewhat, somewhat naturally, I would say. Um, let's see. Um, oh, I also live um, on Top Hill Road, which is uh, just off of Lexington Road between Lexington Road and Grinstead Drive. So it's technically uh, Crescent Hill. Um, and we've been there for about seven years, my wife and I and my two kids. I have a 12-year-old named Evelyn and a 9-year-old named Thomas. Um, so yes, I have been representing the 9th District now for uh, since January 3rd, and I, I can't tell you how much I am enjoying myself. It is an absolute privilege. I feel privileged to be in this position every day, and I've said to anyone um, who has asked that I will continue to, the, to do the job until I no longer feel like it's a privilege, um, because I, I don't think it's a position that you should do and do your best and then move on. Um, and it absolutely feels like a privilege and I'm enjoying every minute of it. Um, as a uh, community, 
we have, and you guys probably know all this, but we have a new administration. Craig Greenberg is our, our new mayor, and I've known uh, our mayor for 40 years, uh, and I am 51 years old. So I met Craig Greenberg at, at a bar mitzvah when I was probably 11 or 12 years old. Um, so that is, uh, I'm very pleased with the, the job that the new mayor is doing. He's doing a very good job reaching out to us on Metro Council and trying to involve us in the decision-making uh, process in a way that I have to say has not occurred during Louisville for, for many decades. Um, and I do think it's the proper course. I think if we're all rowing in the same direction, that that's something that will benefit the entire community. And I think we're, we're doing that. We also have 10 new Metro Council members out of 26, which is an incredibly high number of new members. Um, I'm very pleased with my new cohorts. Uh, I feel like we're all there to try to make the city a better place, there for the right reasons. And I never think it hurts to have new eyes on some old problems. Um, and so I think we're, we're, we're doing that. Um, as you might imagine, uh, at the city level, we're focused on public safety, which is um, a huge issue around town now. Um, we are focused on uh, the issue of affordable housing, uh, and we're focused on uh, the problem that we have with our homeless population. Those are three big issues that I know the administration is focused on, and I know that I'm focused on, uh, and the rest of council is as well. There are no easy uh, answers to any of that, um, but, but those are things that I do feel like we can make progress on, and I'm happy to answer specific questions about those things or other things um, if, if you have specific questions. As it relates to the Ninth District more specifically, um, I, I think what I bring to this position is my background in urban planning. Um, I've always been fascinated by how neighborhoods work or, or, or don't work well, uh, and how cities work or don't work well. And so I've always, um, I, 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 before I studied urban planning, I was a, fail, I was a failure in architecture school. Uh, so I've always loved, uh, you know, architecture and the built environment. And so I come at kind of this, at the local level, focused on connectivity, uh, transportation, um, I, I like to support our small and local businesses. Um, those are things that are important to me and I think that I bring a little bit of a unique perspective on. Um, let's see here. Uh, I feel like there are probably some other things I could say, but if anyone has any questions, I don't want to dominate or, or create the, uh, dominate the conversation, so if anybody has questions, I would, I'd be happy to answer any questions anyone might have. All right, do we have any questions in the room? Thank you so much, Andrew. Um, I am, first of all, a resident of, of this area, and I love what, what you've done so far. Could you comment on some of the outstanding issues that are being looked at here in, in your district? Um, and I know that they may relate some to the three issues you mentioned for the city, but is there anything specific to, to your district that you're focusing on? Thank you. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention the, um, 
the project that's currently underway and being um, overseen by the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet. Uh, Frankfurt Avenue is a state road, and so the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet is basically in charge of Frankfurt Avenue, and uh, we are a little bit at the at the peripheral of that conversation. But um, after the Louisville Water Company project, which created all sorts of havoc along Frankfurt Avenue, as you all know, um, both from a pedestrian standpoint and from an automobile standpoint, um, the plan is to resurface the entire um, length of Frankfurt Avenue from Melwood to Lexington. Um, and that will begin probably late this summer. And as a part of that uh, project, um, they are also implementing a right-sizing project of Frankfurt Avenue. Um, and I will back up a second here. So in the last few years, the administration this administration and the previous administration and Metro Council have um, focused on Vision Zero, which is a national program of best practices that um, tries to implement um, these best practices to improve the, safe, the transportation safety of the roads in a particular place. So this Vision Zero is something that we're committed to as a city. And what what you do in, in I guess in kind of short, is you narrow the road, narrow the lanes to try to slow cars down. Um, and many times when you do that, you create extra space on the sides of the road that many times become bike lanes. And so all of that uh, design of the road, the new design of the road, has to be uh, created to implement the, the, the right-sizing project. And so we have for the last six weeks or more been discussing in the newsletter and in meetings what that new design will look like because you know there, there are positive and negatives with these things right some people are worried that they will have to slow down <laughs> which I don't think is much of a problem but other people worry that they'll lose some street parking and some of our businesses were concerned that they would lose on street parking um, and expressed concern that after having gone through COVID and through the Louisville Water Company project that they couldn't you know, that they barely hung on throughout all that and the, the possibility that they could lose additional customers because they didn't have enough street parking uh, was a concern that the businesses were facing. So we've been discussing what the lines on the street will look like going forward. And I never thought I would spend so much time on what that would look like. But that's, you know, it, it, is, it, is, a, it is kind of a big deal. So the new road will basically have Instead of having two lanes in each direction, it will have one lane in each direction with a center turn lane in the middle, and again, with the, a lot of times with the bike lanes on the side, and then at some places, it will have um, uh, street parking on the side. And so we're trying to finalize that. Um, and I will also say, interestingly enough, uh, we're, as soon as we're done with the Frankfurt Avenue restriping plan, which is what that that plan is called where you decide what the new paint looks like, the new lines look like. We're gonna be implementing a similar plan between um, Payne Street and Baxter on Lexington, um, where it will be uh, right-sized as well. Um, Brownsboro Road, east um, of, let's say, Ewing, and on out to Chenoweth, will be going through a right-sizing project. That will also be led by KYPC. Um, 
and it seems like there's one more. They'll be doing a small right-sizing project on Stills Avenue between Lexington and Grinstead. So I, it, it, it's, it's, in one sense, it's funny to, to, that we've spent as much time as we have on those issues, but it is the, the, the major reason behind all of it is to try to get to zero transportation fatalities in our city on an annual basis. And we have a lot now. And so we're committed to implementing these, these best practices, and um, hopefully there'll be other kind of ancillary benefits that, that go along with it. But I've spent an awful lot of time focused on those sorts of things. Um, and then I also am, I, I would love to be able to create a multimodal path, and by multimodal I really mean pedestrian, bikes, um, wheelchairs, anything else that people uh, have for, for mobility beyond uh, cars, I'm trying to create a multimodal path uh, on the north side of Franklin Avenue between what's the Franklin Avenue right away and what's the CSX right away. And I'm not naive. I know that, the, that working with CSX is a very uh, dicey proposition, um, but that's something I'm focused on that I hope that I can bring to the community. All right. Do we have any um, questions on Zoom? Any other questions in the room? This is Adam Rushable, and I live here in the Clifton area. And uh, I was wondering if you have had much uh, input with the blindness, low vision community in this area, and especially with, say, the Kentucky School for the Blind or the American Greenhouse for the Blind and agencies here, because uh, those have very good reputations. Uh, around the country, and just like to know, uh, you know, what kind of background you have with that. I have not had uh, very extensive experience with that with that community. I, I did go on a tour of the American Printing House uh, right after I came into office, uh, and I, honestly, I mean, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but I had never been in the building before. Um, and that was a fascinating tour, and I was happy to have done that. Um, I think, I want to say, when I was running around the office today, that I got an invite for a ribbon cutting for the museum. Um, and I'll be going to that for sure, and I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm certainly excited about the, the, the renovation or the addition that will be coming you know, uh, at the front of the building up to Frankfurt Avenue. That's, the drawings of that are spectacular. And I'm excited about that. So for me, it's it's not a lot of previous experience, but I'm looking forward to, to learning more. And and uh, I know that this is a large uh, blind community, especially here in Clifton and around the printing house. And um, and so I'm looking more to, you know, looking forward to learning more about about you guys and about the community. Debbie Deathridge here. And um, when you were talking about the three. Uh, construction uh, like a Brownsboro Road and a different Frankfurt Avenue. On Brownsboro, when they do that, then does that mean that like at Brownsboro and Zorn, that's a terrible intersection. So will there be a turning lane, um, an actual turn signal there, or how would that work? So I have not seen the new redesign plan for Brownsboro Road just yet. Um, that is an intersection that is definitely on our radar, that is a dangerous intersection for any pedestrian. 
Um, so anything we can do to, number one, slow down traffic, number two, potentially do a bump out to shorten the distance for the pedestrian between from corner to corner, uh, anything that we can do along those lines to, to make it more, um, to make it safer for the pedestrian is something that I think, I know KY2C is interested in and I know that I'll be interested in once I do see that redesign plan. But I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. This is Carla. I saw an email um, yesterday, I guess, maybe it might have been Wednesday, uh, from Mike O'Leary, the um, president of the Clifton Neighborhood Council, and uh, he had forwarded it to me from someone else. Uh, but they were asking about the intersection, talking about the Frankfurt and Stilts work that's going on. And one of the questions there was if we would find, if we thought that the um, audible signal at Frankfurt and Stilts was helpful. And um, we, uh, Adam and I have a friend, some, some others in the room know um, some individuals too that live up in that area that use that intersection. And uh, so Adam checked with one and he said, absolutely. Um, I think that in general, any time that there's work on an intersection that has a signal, and especially that one which already I understand has an audible signal, we definitely would support uh, putting an audio, audible signal wherever because even if, and, and this is sort of a theory of mine, but I think it proves to be true, um, any time that an audible signal is either um, put, put in at an intersection or the intersection is improved and maybe there's a change in the signal or whatever, that changes access and that makes that area more accessible. And sometimes, as has been shown when we um, have had audible signals and things like sidewalks and things put down on Brownsboro Road and also Frankfurt Avenue too, but anytime you add things like that that bring access to an area, to a group that did not have access before, you can increase the availability of using those areas. And uh, so I would just, I think in general, that the Greater Lowell Council of the Blind can, can state and, and has been supportive of those things over the years, but we can state that it certainly does make, uh, make the availability of, um, of access to businesses, to uh, whatever areas of the community, more available to us than would be without those signals. I can imagine that, I can only imagine how much that does open up the world to different places when you have that kind of technology to, to help. And so what I would say to that is, I'm entirely supportive of, of that, but I will, lean, I will lean on you all and your group to suggest places where that can be helpful. Uh -oh. Because, no really, I mean honestly, I, I, because if I don't hear it from you guys, it's unlikely that I'm going to know where those places are. Um, so I would just say that any place like that where you have suggestions, um, let us know and we'll see what we can do. 
the, the intersection of Frankfurt and Stilts is an issue, and the only reason why we're not making bigger changes there now is the scope of the project that we're working on now is really limited, limited to, through KYTC, limited to asphalt and paint. We don't have any ability to do any hardscape. Um, I'm hoping to come back to that intersection at a later date and do, the, 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 as you all know, the crossing there is so wide uh, to get across stilts uh, at, at Frankfurt. It's, it's the perfect place, in my opinion, for a bump out. Um, where it would shorten that distance across there, but that's not something that we could do within the scope of this project. Um, oh, sorry. I was wondering, as the project uh, goes into another phase where the lanes are uh, narrowed and we only have three lanes rather than four on, say, Frankfurt, um, is there a chance that this will uh, make some space available for sidewalks in places where we don't have them? Uh, there are, there's uh, a lot of Frankfurt, well, a good bit of Frankfurt Avenue that does not have sidewalks. Uh, and the absence of sidewalks is a real obstacle to safe um, travel for people with low vision or no vision, and people in wheelchairs as well. So you, I'm sure you've heard this from former Councilman Hollander, <laughs> who, um, by the way, uh, it was, it is a great, great human being. It was a, an excellent council person and was an excellent friend and mentor to me during this transition, so I don't want that to go unsaid. But he focused quite a bit, as you know, on sidewalks on Frankfurt Avenue, both trying to get them more even, but also I, I know he has replaced quite a few and um, added a few in some places. Um, so what you probably know from Bill is that while, K while Frankfurt Avenue is a state road, the sidewalks belong to us. And so we're required to uh, cover whatever costs um, is, is needed to improve sidewalks and add sidewalks. So, um, yes, I mean, I'm committed to doing, to continuing the work that Bill did in terms of both improving and adding, adding sidewalk infrastructure. We have um, $100,000 in capital improvement funds uh, for the 9th District on an annual basis. And the, our, our district goes from Melwood out to Shelbyville Road Plaza, almost out to, you know, so it, and includes a lot of St. Matthews. So the problem is we, if I can't get it included in the annual general fund budget, which I can try to do, I'm on the budget committee, as was Bill, um, then we don't have a whole lot of money to spend on those kind of capital improvement projects. So we have to do it piece by piece, which is the way Bill did it, and I'm committed to doing that as well. Are we still on Zoom? <laughs> so, is that so? Is that it for me? Um, <laughs> yes, I believe so. Well, thank you again for for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity to introduce myself and say hello. And uh, would love to come back sometime. So, don't hesitate to to invite me again. I'm going to go home and have movie night with my kids. So, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and go, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. And thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
Page 3. The Bargain Table, an easy fundraiser for the Greater Louisville Council. Many years ago, in the mid-70s, the Kentucky Council of the Blind was just beginning to grow. We wanted to publish a newsletter, hold conventions and meetings, and have an office telephone number. We had members who were anxious to help, but we didn't have money to pay for paper or postage or the telephone bill. About that time, my family bought a house, which had been a parsonage for a church in the neighborhood. The minister who lived there had a huge number of items in the basement that he didn't have time to pack up, so he asked me to call Goodwill and have them come and haul it all away. I wanted to take a look at what Goodwill was going to pick up so I'd know what to tell them to be prepared for. I discovered, much to my amazement, that there was a huge number of items, such as clocks, mixers, decorative items, children's items, and much more, many of which were new in their boxes, all in my basement. I called the minister, told him about KCB and why we needed money, and he gladly said we could use whatever we wanted for a yard sale or any other fundraiser. That yard sale, along with one or two yard sales for several years to come after that, were very successful, but they sure were a lot of work. Too much sorting, marking, hauling things in and out for the sale, too much depending on the weather, and too many people needed to help with the event. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind was organized in 2005, and its board still felt that yard sales could be a good way to raise money. While we did raise some much-needed cash at several sales, the profit from the sales just did not justify the amount of time and people needed to sort, mark, and organize. The next phase was to move the former yard sale indoors, out of the weather, and set up two or three tables with clothes, household items, purses, jewelry, books on cassette and CDs, and gift ideas. This became known as the bargain table, and it was very popular. It was, however, still time-intensive, requiring someone with vision to help sort and describe items so they could be priced and tagged in Braille and large print. People would bring items with them to our roundabouts to donate to future bargain tables and would buy things for themselves or others. Items that did not sell the first time they were displayed were added to future bargain tables, and if they didn't sell after two or three times, they were donated to Goodwill or other thrift stores in the area. Then along came covid No more bargain tables because we couldn't have any more in-person roundabouts. Knowing that COVID would be over someday, Patty Cox and I packed and stored all of the bargain items that we had at the time, March of 2020, and waited for a better day to come. We had a few in-person roundabouts in 2021, but they were very sporadic, and we didn't feel that the situation was such that we could allow people to pass items around, come up to the table and check things out close to others, and thus risk spreading the virus. In 2022, when we again started holding in-person roundabouts, we experimented with a modified bargain table that we felt would be less likely to spread COVID and at the same time actually improve the ability of everyone to participate. Here is today's version of a bargain table. It is an inexpensive and easy way to raise money for a chapter and can be tailored to fit even a small gathering of people. First, 
Ask members and friends if they have new or like new items that they no longer need. Maybe gifts that they have never used, items that they've bought and then haven't used, or forgotten that they had, etc. We used to sell clothing on the bargain table, but we have stopped offering clothes due to the ease of spreading COVID and the time needed to sort and describe them. We have found that good sellers are things like Tupperware, lock and lock storage containers, kitchen items such as bakeware, decorative items that are not work intensive, etc. Note, Christmas tree decorations usually do not sell because most of our people don't put up Christmas trees. Jewelry and purses and totes are all good sellers. If you have holiday items, don't display them out of season. No Easter bunnies in September, please. 2. Check donated items for quality, cleanliness, and usefulness. If something doesn't work, can it be easily fixed? Test radios and technology to be sure they work. Add batteries if needed and include them with the sale. 3. Don't bother to tag the items. Make a list of the items and their prices for reference during the bargain table time. 4. Pack the items for the bargain table at your event into one large plastic tote with a lid and take it with you to the chapter meeting. 5. Appoint one person to enthusiastically describe items from the tote as to color, size, suggested use, etc., and state the price. Be sure to use a microphone so everyone can hear. Ask participants if they wish to see an item. Have them raise their hands and take the item to them before moving on to the next bargain. 6. When someone wants to buy something, place it on the table in front of that person and then move on to the next bargain. Spread the bargains around so that everyone who wishes to has the opportunity to take something home. 7. You can always allow people to pay with cash. However, you will sell more, much more, if you accept credit or debit cards. If you don't have a PayPal or Square account, set one up. It's well worth your effort. Don't worry about the 3.5% credit card processing fee. You will by far pay for it with your increased sales. 8. Pack up whatever doesn't sell and take it back with you. Plan to work those items into future bargain tables, not the very next one, but one several times away. Remember that what doesn't sell one time will almost surely sell at a point in the future. Here is Patty Cox, first vice president of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, running the bargain table from our roundabout on April 21. This will give you an idea of the variety of things we include. Remember, all these items were donated, so our profit was 100%. Also remember that if you hold a bargain table every time you have a chapter meeting, people will come to expect it and they will be anxious to find out what new surprises are in store for them, and your profits will increase. All right, I have a bargain table here, guys. Yay! Um, so how much is the table going for? <laughs> I don't know. We have 
a carry-along garment bag. However, the garment bag it does not have one thing. It does not have a shoulder strap. And it has no garments in it either. Oh, it's $12. Okay. So it's $12. Um, and it's got a mesh pocket. It's got a pocket on the outside. So there's a lot to it. So we have a derby purse. Uh, this purse has a red handle and red around the top. And then there's a picture on um, both sides of it. It's got uh, two, uh, three horses on one side and it's got dockies on it. You know, it's perfect for what's happening in a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, it's got sequins and beads on it so you can feel the flowers and the outline of the horse's head and the jockey's hat. And this is $12. We have some baseball caps. Does anybody wear baseball caps? Oh yeah, Debbie does. But these are the Brenda Dillon baseball caps. Um, it just says ACB in three different stars. Uh, Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk Vanda. Some foundation. N-D-N-O. M-D. Foundation in Regal. It's really small embroidered. And these are $2. We have a set of four steak knives and they're wooden handles and they're in a small wooden block. We have some Avon jewelry. They are gold and have different colored gems. It's a necklace and earrings. These earrings are clip earrings. And they have purple, the main color is purple. And then they have a light blue and a, I call it lemon lime. So it's a greenish yellow gem in it. And um, if y'all wanna see what this feels like, I will show y'all. And that's $10, unless I'm notified otherwise. There is a plaque, it's wood, and it has a, it's in a heart shape, and it's got um, a Thomas Kincaid picture in it. You can hang this up. It does have the Thomas Kincaid um, logo and everything on it. And it says, home is your haven a loving retreat be it ever so humble there's no place so sweet and it's got a picture of a house and you know Thomas Kincaid you're out in the woods and there's a pond with a little reflection on it and everything $8 we have a 4 by 4 lock and lock container about 2 inches tall fits a good sandwich vegetables. What's the price? Uh, $4. Okay, there you go. Have at it. Okay. So we have this, uh, we have a bag, like an insulated bag that you could put stuff in. This one. 
Oh, it's a computer bag. So this is about, I don't know, 18 inches tall. Yeah, it'll hold an iPad, 15 inch lap, laptop. I'm gonna tell you, my 17 inch laptop would fit in here. But uh, it, it does have an extra space for the iPad to go in between, I mean the computer to go in between. That is about 15 inches, but if you don't mind it, you can put your iPad in that smaller slot, put your computer down in it, it's got extra pockets down in it, it zips up. This is almost like a, almost like an insulated bag too, like it would keep it cool, but I can't promise that. But it's gray with black handles and a black fob. Anybody wanna see it? Okay, I have an Avon uh, bottle of lotion that is pomegranate and mango. It must smell delicious, but I couldn't tell you. And it's 8.4 fluid ounces, and how much do we have this for? And that's $5. Kendall's gonna smell really <laughs> pomegranate and mango, but I have a feeling this is going to brand up. I just can't see you smacking that stuff on. <laughs> okay, we have some totes. Does anybody want any totes? Do they have zippers? No. But I do have a leather backpack purse. Okay, wait a minute. We got people want to see it first. Hang on. I also have these little containers. You can break a couple of eggs in and scramble them and put them in your microwave. There you go. Just mix it up. You can throw veggies in with the cheese. I like this. One or two. I've got two of them. Okay, and I do have a Contigo water bottle. It is purple, purplish pink, great for women. It's skinny enough that you could put it even in a purse. Um, keeps your water cold over 24 hours. All my contigos, I put ice and water in it and not even put it in my fridge and still have ice in the morning. It's a water bottle. So how many people want this backpack purse? All right, now y'all were gonna fight over it a minute ago. We have a red beaded necklace. These beaded necklaces, guys, they're coming back in style. You know, they go out of style, they come back in style, well, they're coming back. It looks like red gems, but they're round. Um, anybody wanna touch the jewel? Six dollars for the set. Hey, Joey, uh -huh. do you want this mic? No, Natalie, got one right here. I don't need it anymore. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.